Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. And uh, this was a really interesting conversation. And I'll just be honest, this is a topic that I had never thought about. We brought on a gal named Susan Salinger, and she comes from a really interesting background. And she's a researcher at this point in her life. She's a writer, an author. She's also a mom, and she's a grand mother. And she lives in the Napa Valley area, uh, just outside of San Francisco and wine country. And she wrote a book called Sidelined. It's entitled How Women Manage and Mismanage Their Health. Literally, these are things I have never thought about, how women tend to be so busy serving everybody else that they put themselves last. Maybe you've heard that before, but how that actually impacts their physical health, their mental health, stress levels. The reality is, guys, I resist going to the doctor. I know plenty of dudes that resist going to the doctor and not taking care of some of our own physical needs, but it turns out through the research that women tend to be much worse at this than men. And this is a really good conversation. I'm interested here as a husband. I'm interested here in a dad of two daughters. I'm interested in those that I serve, those that I coach who are females. And so I'm really asking these questions from a, I've never thought about this before perspective. And Susan comes from a research perspective. So these are literally new thoughts for me. So as I process them, now we're speaking kind of directly here to females. And yet, Males, please listen along. There are a couple of tangible ways that we can take care of folks. And I want to invite you to continue to think as you process these podcasts that there are things personally that you can do and there are things organizationally you can do. Personally, how can you care for someone that you love, in this case, who's a female, if you're a male? And males, what changes could we make to the systems that we are in and we even lead over organizationally to be able to to help this process, especially as we're in the wake of a mental health crisis right here. Of course, um, the body keeps the score and we are holistic and heart, soul, mind, strength are connected. So that's impacting health. And I just think that this is a crucial conversation. One of those curious ones that I wouldn't have guessed we'd have here on the podcast. And it turns out this is something that we really do need to be talking about. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Excited to dive into this one. And as always, we want you to live and lead right side up for the long haul. And we believe this will help both males and females to do that. Enjoy this curious conversation with my new friend, Susan Salinger. Susan, great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this is going to be a little bit of a different one um, for our audience. Uh, I'm a big fan of females. Let me just say that. I got <laughs> three in my household. I'm married to one and I'm a huge fan of female leaders and really kind of we're we're having that conversation today. So let's call me an interested outsider as we talk about <laughs> your message, specifically sidelined, how women manage and mismanage their health. Um, this is obviously a crucial topic, one that you've dedicated a lot of time to. How did you get interested in this topic? Oh, well, so many years ago, I agreed to have some exploratory surgery that I knew I didn't need. And yet not only did I agree to it, but I insisted it be done sooner rather than later. Anyway, they did the surgery. 
and they found nothing. And I was just so angry and so ashamed of myself that to make a very long story short, after many years, and while well, I went back to school, and I got interested in how women make their medical, how we make our medical decisions. So I interviewed about 40 or 50 women and extrapolated five or six behaviors that women have in common, where I think that we really do ourselves a disservice. Women just don't do what they need to do to take care of themselves. And I was startled to find that out, but I understand it as well. Okay. And why do you think it's so different for men and women? You know, I think women, a, a couple of things. Women have a very unfortunate history with medicine. For years, our bodies were devalued. I mean, Aristotle called us mutilated males, uh, and, and it's universal. Zulus call daughters weeds in the rice. The Dutch say that a, a house full of daughters is like a cellar full of sour beer. I mean, and this has gone on through the ages. And I think to a certain extent, women have internalized that. And I think that we feel hesitant to call the doctor. We have so much to do, so many family duties to take care of, that I think we put off our own health, not only because of our history, but because of the current social and cultural situation where women do most of the domestic duties. So I think that it um, is just a real problem for women to get themselves to the doctor. And I'm I'm curious, do you think this has gotten better or worse in the last decade for women? I think it's actually yes and no. Yes, I do in a way. Okay. Um, there's been some recent research that COVID has really affected women, impacted women more than men because our duties, particularly when the kids were staying home from school, a lot of women had to quit their jobs and have yet to re-enter the workforce. So money has been tighter, plus uh, they're not the wage earners that, that they were. And I think also that they have many more domestic duties than they did in the first place. And for some women, that's okay. And for others, it isn't. And according to the latest research, women's mental health has really suffered as a result and probably their physical health. In fact, I'm going to be doing an article on that shortly. Sure. Well, before we started recording, um, you talked about stress a little bit. Um, it's clear that the world seems stressed out. Uh, we use the phrase overwhelm. Um, right. as we're not uh, clinical at Stay Forth. I'm a big fan of the clinical. And so um, we stay away from the word anxiety, um, capital okay. A or lowercase a. And so in the lens <laughs> of, of stress and or overwhelm, what do you see the differences are between men and women right now? Well, I think that one of the things, and it actually, it really surprised me. Women blame a lot of their illness on stress. There were some studies done where women were sure that their breast cancer was caused by stress or their lupus was caused by stress, whatever. And they feel that their stress is because they don't know how to manage their lives. If they could just manage their time better, if they just could get their work done faster, if they just could get their children more adjusted, I mean, whatever you want to attribute the stress to, that, but they they sure that they have total control and that they feel that they should be controlling their stress. And the reason they didn't is because they just don't know how to manage their lives. And what that translated into was that they were very ashamed of being ill. So they hesitated to call the doctor. They hesitated to talk about their illness with other people. 
um, I actually put together a, a focus group and in, in two focus groups. And in the groups, the women had most of the women had never talked with anybody else about their illness other than their doctors because they were so ashamed. And I, I felt that it was like they, they saw their illness as a public manifestation of their inability to manage their lives. So that was where the embarrassment and shame came from. I don't think men do that. Now, I didn't do any research on, on men's illnesses. That's a whole different topic. But nevertheless, I'm positive that men don't carry on in quite the same way. Hmm. So, and I think, incidentally, that that's of interest to your viewers because that, that only... Um, it, me it means women employees, women CEOs, and women all executive. I mean, women. It doesn't matter what their job title is. Yeah, absolutely. So fascinating. Honestly, Susan, these are things I've never thought about. So I'm going in between feeling curious and, <laughs> and a little bit abashed that I've not thought through this. Um, and so I'm processing this right now, um, kind of giving a side to male listeners right now. Um, and let's get really helpful and specific. Uh, I love my wife. She manages so much. And our kids are always coming to her for stuff that they could honestly take care of on their own. And secondly, <laughs> I could take care of, but for whatever reason, it becomes mom's problem. And so there are a lot of things that becomes a joke around our household. And I'm constantly thinking, how can I be more helpful within that? So men, especially who are married to women who tend to take on this stress differently, what are some practical ways that we can be helpful uh, to women, both who are stressed and then are, are having some of these physical ailments that they may not tend to like men might? Well, I think there's a couple of things, and this is just coming out of the literature I read literally just yesterday for this new article I'm writing. And although men do help sometimes, you know, some men more than others um, with the, I'm going to call it domestic duties. But the, most of the guys do, it's different. Women do the more, as the, the article called it this, not me, but they called it the drudgery work. You do the laundry continually. You, you cook. It, they're daily tasks where men are more likely to mow the lawn, which, you know, sometimes need, needs mowing and sometimes it doesn't, plus you're outside. And there's <laughs> cultural um, reasons that men are a little bit less stressed by the domestic duties they undertake because mowing the lawn is or taking out the trash whatever it's a man's job it's it's funny how we divide it up as if you know as if domestic duties are gendered and, and of course they're not so I think that part of the things that men can do to help their partners daughters sisters whomever is to do, take on as much of the um as much of the household chores as you can there, one of the articles was titled something to the effect of we're getting better, but men still don't vacuum. And I, you know, I loved the wow. title. <laughs> um, and in terms of helping your wife or partner or whomever, again, when she falls ill, besides you'll automatically take on more of the uh, household duties, because let's assume your wife is sick and, and isn't up to performing them, but make sure she goes to the doctor. Women put themselves last. We take care of everybody but ourselves. I mean, and there's research that backs that up. So make sure she goes to the doctor. Make sure that you go with her because it always helps if you possibly can. It always helps to have another pair of ears there. And, you know, four ears hear much differently than two ears. 
and make sure she has an agenda, a written agenda when she goes with. So a, a written agenda will focus the, the interview with the doctor and it will help her state most of her concerns much more clearly. So there, there are some practical things that, that men can really or any partner can really do to help somebody. I'm curious, in your research, has this translated to women actually taking less sick days or more, you know, as people call them, mental health days as well? You know, I don't know. And that's an excellent question. I don't know. And I'm actually going to look it up because I really like the question. And I would I, my guess would be that they need more mental health days. And I don't know if they have allowed themselves to take them or not. Mm. I would I would suspect that they haven't taken them, but that they need them. And I'm I'm totally guessing and I'm going to look it up as soon as we as soon <laughs> as we're done. Sure, sure. Well, um, one of the things that you say is is women sometimes believe their illness is a punishment for past behaviors. Tell us more. Yes, that was a couple of the women I talked to. One, This one woman in particular was sure that her current illness, and she was in her 30s and 40s when she was diagnosed, she was sure that it was payback for all the children she had hurt and literally physically hurt. She had she beat them up when they would tease her when she was in junior high and high school. And she was sure that she was being punished for our sins. And, you know, it, we really do, women in particular, but we really do attribute a psychological reason to our illness. Um, AIDS was considered a punishment for se sexual promis promiscuity. I mean, this is an old, old thing that culture does, but women do in particular. They're, as I said earlier, they are so sure that it's their fault. And, and, you know, I think just to go on for a minute, I think one of the things we tend to forget is just how random illness is. I mean, let's face it, some people get COVID and some don't, and some alcoholics get liver disease and some don't. It's truly a question of randomness, genetics, bad luck. I mean, who knows exactly why some of us get sick? And I think that we have to remember that when we start to blame ourselves and, you know, castigate ourselves for becoming ill. When did you first start seeing and noticing this difference between men and women in this area? Well, after I retired, which I must say lasted about 12 seconds because that did not agree <laughs> with me. So when I went back to school and I took some medical anthropology classes and as I learned an awful lot of information, there are gender differences, not only in the way medicine is structured, men do get, you know, favored treatment, so to speak, but also in the way we take care of ourselves. Um, men are, for example, women go to the doctor more often and men go basically when their wives or partners or somebody tells them to, but then they go, they don't mess around. Women are likely to try over-the-counter medications. We do all kinds of things to avoid going to the doctor, and that's a major difference. Um, we also talk to doctors differently. When men go to the doctor, they, they just describe their symptoms very succinctly. Women describe them in context. We talk about how we feel and how they make us feel, and we're this, and we're tired, and we're depressed, and we go through the whole litany of whatever we're feeling. And I think that that can lead the doctor toward a psychological diagnosis. Men don't do that. 
In fact, it was really interesting because they uh, some researchers gave a bunch of letters to some medical students, and the, um, the the letters were from cancer patients. And the students were able to tell which letter in over 50, well, I think it was over 60% of the time, which letters were written by women and which were by men because the conversation styles were so different. Hmm. Um, talk to leaders here. And we use that term pretty loosely, anybody with influence, but particularly organizational leaders um, that serve a team. So if they're serving a team, there are females um, either that on the team with them, or they may, they're maybe even leading the team and they have decision-making abilities. Um, what are some organizational ways um, that we can care better for females that we work with and around? That's a good question too. Let me think about that for a minute. I, I think I would say, first of all, be be patient with women. Remember that we're doing double and triple duty, and that is going to affect our work. We can try hard to be sure that it doesn't affect our work, but I think it's going to anyway. I don't see how it can help but but affect it. So I think that if women don't do the job that you expect them to do, cut cut them a little slack. I think that's what I'm saying. And I think also that's probably true for men as well, particularly during COVID when things are so tense and people are still getting very sick, although we're certainly not dying anymore. But, you know, I'm really not an organizational consultant. And I think maybe that would be an excellent new book because I don't mean that women need special treatment. But I think people need to be well taken care of in an organizational setting as, as well as in a personal setting. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard the quote recently that people change when systems change. Exactly. And exactly. So whether you're an organizational consultant or not, uh, if there's kindness, uh, particularly systemic kindness um, right. in the workplace, then we can see a multiplicative effect. And so those are a lot of the things that we talk about here. And that's actually why we want to say yes to this interview is literally it's an aspect of health that I had never thought about. So I don't know what that says about me, that I had never even <laughs> pondered this idea, and I now have a lot to chew on here, um, and even to talk with my own wife, Julie, about in, in the process. But yeah, that's what we're passionate about here, is literally having a multiplicative effect on organizations, whether they're for-profit, non-profit, even families and family systems. Um, it sounds like there's a lot to be addressed here. I think so, and I think that was, I really liked that quote, that people change when systems change. But systems change also when people help change them. Correct. And I think that that's equally relevant. How's that? That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're listening to this um, on either side of this uh, gender gap, and of course, this health gap, um, that sounds like that that you're revealing for us today, Susan, I just want to invite you to think through what are some steps that personally I can take, and maybe that is with um, your spouse or your partner, maybe those are some steps that organizationally you can take. And I'm even thinking about three or four things um, that this has given me to, to think through, Susan. And so I just want to bring you immediately to application of this idea. And of course, we'll leave your book there in the show notes and we can dive deeper uh, into that. A ton to think about here today. Susan, would you just maybe leave us with with this? Um, what's a dream or a few dreams um, that you have about if we take women's health more seriously 
and care for women more seriously. That could be true in 10 years, 25 years, 50 years. What are some of the dreams that you have for women? Well, I have quite a few, but remember you used the word dreams. I don't know how practical all of this is, but my dreams are that there would be universal child care, which would relieve women tremendously. I mean, in my fantasies, I would love almost every organ, large organization to have a preschool or some sort of setup where parents could visit children, children could visit parents, and some of the back and forth that and, and the difficult scheduling that parents as a group, but mostly women go through, would be helpfully, would be eliminated. I'd love to have universal medical care so women don't have to worry about their health and their insurance and getting there and all of those things. And I think organizations, you know, some of the larger ones certainly could, could set something up so that women's kids are present, women's health is taken care of. And I'll, I'll even say people's health. It's not just women because men have the same insurance issues that we do. And the logistics sometimes of getting medical care can be quite overwhelming, particularly when you don't feel well and when you're frightened. So I think those kinds of things would be just wonderful. If there could be good food around, either in the restaurants that are located nearby but or on the, in the cafeterias that are on campus. Um, but again, these are all dreams. And I think, unfortunately, we may be a long way off from them. But certainly both of those things or all three of those things would really help not only women's health, but the health of our workforce. Well, thank you for your work. Thanks for dreaming with us uh, today, too. <laughs> and actually, maybe one more. I want to go personal uh, on this sure. for you. Since you've researched this topic, are there any small changes uh, that you've made to your own life as this has sort of shed a light on that? Yes, there are. And I'm glad you asked me that. Um, I didn't realize until I did a lot of the research how important it is to keep up with my tests, like uh, mammograms, colonoscopies, you know, the routine tests that most of us do. And, I, I, you know, you tend to let them slide. They're a pain in the neck, and you don't really want to know anyway. So I've, I've stopped all that now. I do it on a regular basis and kind of calendar it. Uh, the other thing I do is I do take that written agenda into the doctor's office because it helps me focus. And I think this is important for everybody, men as well as women. But I think it's important for, for patients to repeat back to the doctor what they hear the doctor say. That gives you as a patient a chance to be sure that you heard correctly. It gives the doctor a chance to correct any misunderstandings or confirm that, yes, you did hear right. I think that's really important. And a lot of us, particularly women, again, don't do that. I think only 15% of women will tell the doctor when they don't understand something. Um, and now I'm always sure to get a second opinion. We didn't really get to talk about that, but second opinions are so important. And women do get them a lot less often than men do. So get second opinions. That Take somebody with you, take a written agenda, repeat back what you hear the doctor say, all of those things will really help you live a healthier life. Awesome. Well, Susan, so much to think about here. Thank you so much for your work. In the show notes, you can link to her book, Sidelined, How Women Manage and Mismanage Their Health, and also to her own personal website. Susan, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed talking with you.
so long.